0: Frank's Red Hot is the perfect blend of flavor and heat. So you can use an entire bottle to make recipes like Buffalo chicken dip or Buffalo nachos, or even things that don't start with Buffalo. Frank's Red Hot. I put that on everything.
1: Craig, is that you? It's been
2: a while, Jeff. It's been a while.
1: (laughs) How long? Months? Years?
2: It's it's a, I mean, every day is a month. So, years at least.
1: Yeah, yeah it's been years. It's been so. If if every week is, uh, if every week is a year, then it's been like three years. No, I don't know. Like three <laughs> weeks, right? It's been three weeks. I, yeah, definitely our longest I mean,
2: break. Teaching. Our longest break. We we had to wait yeah. for something to wait for something to talk about.
3: Uh,
1: well, that was the thing. Like like you and I talked about this. Like we kept saying, you know, should we should we podcast this week? And we were like there's really nothing to talk about like, and it's, you know, we last year we were, we had a whole list of like off season topics and you can sort of talk yourself into off season topics when you know, better stuff is coming around the corner. But uh, I think we can fairly say that we are not sure that better stuff is ever coming around the corner right now.
2: Yeah, no, I, uh, it's, there's no, no assurances of that even as, as we try to pretend, that things are going to happen, but but this is podcast. But here we are. This is podcast versus everyone. I'm Craig Powers, and with me, as always, is Jeff Newser. Hello. And, and then today we I've have been canceled. Yeah, the canceled <laughs> Jeff Newser. And then with us today we have a third a third guest, uh, uh, and that is. If someone all of you should probably already know. And it's Koog uh, Center, SB Nation, Banner Society when not existed. existed. Um, Brian
1: Floyd. Oh, Brian Floyd. Hello. And, uh, you know, we all have beards, but I think we can all agree that Brian has the best beard. Of course.
0: Mine is out of control and not in a good way right now. It's not long, <laughs> but um, because of all this, like grooming. I, I've it's seen, seen out the your window. out of control beard. It's not at least it's not too long. It's just unkempt, so I have hair everywhere because my beard grows from like eyeballs to like <laughs> chest. So, yeah, it's good.
1: Uh, I once I once heard uh, Brian Anderson describe it as you have to shave it with a machete.
0: <laughs> yeah, when it was out of control, um, and I just let it go. Like I think things were growing in it at times. It was awesome.
1: <laughs> it's fantastic. Yeah, I was like uh, when when uh, Craig was like you know. Why, we should see if Brian wants to come on. I'm like, oh, yeah, the three Coug Center OGs, which made me excited. <laughs> for people who don't know, uh, I've, I co-founded the site with a guy named Grady Clapp. He wasn't around for very long. Um, it wasn't too long after that that Brian and, uh, and Craig both joined up. They were the first two guys to, uh, to join up with me. So, so yeah, we are the three OGs left at Koog Center. We're old. Yeah, Kooks anders. Yeah, Yeah.
2: that's that's a ridiculously long time for a blog, and that's why we had to start doing a podcast. So yeah, we're
1: coming up on our eleventh birthday, no twelfth birthday, twelfth birthday, twelfth birthday. We're almost old enough to like get a girlfriend (laughs) or a boyfriend. Don't don't get mad at me.
3: (laughs)
2: Well, you're already canceled, so
1: I'm already canceled, so it doesn't matter.
2: Well, let's (laughs) let's get into it. Let's let's let's, let's talk, find out let's, why Jeff was canceled. Let's talk about this very fun um, and straightforward and not nuanced in any way topic. Um, <laughs> uh, so, I I don't know. I I doubt anyone on the podcast is is hearing this for the first time. Um, but on uh, was that Monday? Was that Sunday? I don't even.
1: It feels like it's Early been a week. Sunday morning. Early Sunday morning. Yeah, Sunday morning. morning. Um, uh, it was while you were still recovering from your night of partying with your mom.
2: Yes, yeah, you know, uh, <laughs> those mom parties can get crazy. well. That's a weird thing to Woo! say, um, but uh, but yeah. So Sunday morning, um, getting reports from Theo and uh, you know, kind of other sources that are uh, saying that players are being cut from the. Coug- the cougs the wsu team um the football team i can't talk right now um apparently saturday night is still affecting me um getting cut from um wsu and related to and and what that was coming from is a release of demands from a uh, a union of sorts of pac-12 uh athletes um called the, uh, the Unity uh um, So what that report from theos stemmed from saying that he had heard that players who were involved with the unity movement were getting cut from the team um and that's how this all started it's kind of nuts that uh I, i that first uh tweet um when i saw that i i don't know i was i was like if this is true i'm gonna be pretty mad and um you know i tweeted like someone needs a uh get it, WC might need to find a new football coach if this is true um uh, of course that wasn't the whole story uh but uh after that we uh we found out more um and uh we found out that uh Cassidy Woods was leaving the football team um opting out of the season because of, of a, a sickle cell trait um worried about his health uh, but then we also were hearing reports from his dad specifically that um, there was uh, essentially a, a, a mention in him talking with um, WCU head coach Nick Rolovich that uh, there was a, a basically a different uh, set of circumstances if if he was opting out because of the unity movement and. Um, we heard all day that he had recorded this call. And then by the afternoon, late afternoon, the record was, the recording was released. Um, sure enough, like what, uh, Cassidy and his dad said, Nick Rolovich said was pretty much accurate. Um, and that's, uh, where we stand going into Sunday night. Um, and then we have Monday afternoon, we have Rolovich releases a statement Um, And that then that kind of catches up us up to today where we have various players commenting on it. So, uh, Brian, um, kind of take me through now that I've recapped it. Maybe you can take us back. Um, What's what's going on here?
0: So, like, in, in very broad strokes, what's going on right now is, is a lot of athletes are realizing that they have a lot more power than they thought they did. Um, that's kind of the, the root stem of all this. The unity movement exists because um, college football players especially, but athletes in general, one of the organizers is a cross-country athlete from Wazoo initially, who's at Cal now, um, are realizing that they're not students, and they're not student-athletes, and they're not they're, they're not the same as those um, and the COVID pandemic has kind of laid that bare in a lot of ways. Um, right now, football players are on campus by themselves. Washington State, for instance, and because we're going to talk about it here, are, is telling people to stay away. They're going to do remote learning, but the football players are there. So in, in seeing all that unfold right in front of them and seeing this push forward to just have a football season – um this is their way of kind of doing something about it a group of players got to together and and made some i guess i'd call them demands but this is it is like the beginning of a nego- negotiation demand feels very much like i don't know it feels a bit a bit harsh here because some of these things are are just things that you need to hand over and do for them now like their initial set of demands it starts with health and safety issues and as we've seen over the last couple of days even those are real, and there's real problems in in many programs. There's outbreaks at Rutgers. There's a Colorado State story today about whether they're following um, the guidelines or not. Same with Virginia Tech, on and on and on. Um, so there's health and safety things in it. There's also, because of the economic fallout of all of this, there's going to be a real scramble for where the money goes. And I think the point that these players are making and, and why there's some um, things about protecting sports and financial demands is – because of that scramble um, for a lot of that money that's going to happen in this and and what's going to happen later. But going back to this all, it's a bunch of players realizing they have power. And then at Washington state specifically, it's Cassidy Woods and then uh, Patrick Nunn today stepping up and saying, I am going to do this and going to put it where my mouth is and um, opt out of the season and, and make it clear that I'm a part of this movement. And from what we've seen, over the last day or so, like they've faced either repercussions or consequences they didn't realize would happen by opting out. And and part of that was the Cassidy Woods thing that happened on Sunday, which initially started as a rumor that a player was cut and then it was multiple players were cut and then it was, okay, it's Cassidy Woods and on and on and on. Um, It was kind of reported out tweet by tweet, which was, a little bit difficult to follow at times.
3: Mm-hmm. But basically yeah. it
0: came out that Cassidy Woods had talked to Rolovich, that he was separated from the program, told to clean out his locker, and had recorded the phone call. And what I think you saw unfold on Sunday was then a a back and forth in public that was really messy and really embarrassing to mm-hmm. watch and be a part of. not Not by the reporters or anything else, but it was two sides leaking against each other. And I think that's what led to – woods or whoever saying fine here's the audio take it um and i think that's what kind of pushed it to that because as this was all going on it was being pushed back against as no one was cut everything's fine nothing's going on and so woods to like get his side out there said here you can listen to it and you know i think that's where a lot of the, the confusion and side picking sides has, has arisen because you can take a lot from that phone call when you listen to it Nick Rolovich said a lot of words in that call, and he said a lot of things in that call, and he covered a lot of ground, whereas Cassidy Woods basically said what he said and let Rolovich talk. So I think that's kind of what brought us to where Washington State has made national headlines and where Rolovich has made national headlines um, is how those conversa- that conversation and those conversations took place over the last few days.
1: I think that you know one of the things is with with these things you know you mentioned how people get you know entrenched in their their position right like like everybody picks sides and then and then that's it and and it's not surprising that in you know an issue with with a coach that you know the vast majority of fans are are siding with their coach right. um that's really normal even if i think it's misguided. But is um, it
0: when the coach hasn't even coached a game?
1: You know He's though, brand new. I I know, but you know, i mean, well, he bought it, he
2: bought, bought us yeah, some beers. Man. People
1: people always they want to believe two things. They number one, they want to believe their coach is different and they also want to believe that they really know what their coach is all about. And you know Brian, I, I mean i was talking about I was talking to you about this, uh, I don't know, today, yesterday. I mean, again, it feels like it's been a month a week that we've been talking about this now. Um, but you know, I mean, look, we were, we were all around when Mike Leach got hired and we were all around when Mike Leach went through his first season, which resulted in an investigation for abusing players. And, you know, even at the time, and I, I, you know, I don't know, maybe this is controversial among people when we're listening, but look, I mean, it seemed pretty clear that there was some uh, if not over the line, right up to the line stuff happening that first year under Leach and that the um, that there was at least a maybe slightly minor cover up uh, led by Bill Moose there at the end, just the way that the uh, investigation took place, the players they talked to, the conditions under which they talked to them. It was sort of like uh, it, it seemed sort of a, a, a pro forma uh, uh, investigation, and you know, and, and like at the time, you know, we all kind of looked at each other and went, eh, yeah, it's probably not good. But we also went, yeah, but we got Mike Leach, and uh, you know, I mean, it, it was definitely, you know, I mean, you overlook things, right? And you know, I like to say that look, if I were to look back at at that, I I would like to think that I would handle it differently. Then knowing what I know now, or the person that I am now, right? Like I'm, I've learned some things. I'm, I'm, you know, more skeptical. I'm, you know, I've, 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 I just like, I don't think I would be as like, it's okay, he's gonna win games for us, as I was then, um, and I, and I probably would have, you know, been a little harsher about my critique back then, which is all to say, you know, we all sort of talk ourselves into things, we talk ourselves into all kinds of stuff uh, in order to make our peace with um, you know, with, with college football. And, you know, it, it, one thing I've learned, you know, and we, we mentioned, <laughs> I mean, look, you know, Cook center is 12 years old. Like I've seen a lot of shit in 12 years, uh, running this website and I've seen a lot of opinions. And the one thing that's fairly consistent is, um, you know, people, people want to really, really like their coach. They identify their coach as the face of the program. They see the coach and the program as one of the same and one and the same. And therefore, any critique of the coach is an attack on the program. And, and I think that's, that's kind of what we saw come out here where, when someone says, Hey uh, boy, it sure seems like Nick Rolovich is threatening Cassidy woods. Um, all of a sudden, you know, like for me, I'm getting attacked on Twitter as, Oh yeah, well you want to run Rolovich out on the first rail out of town. And I'm like, wait a second. (laughs) You know, like all I'm saying is this sure looks like union busting to me. And I have a real problem with that. Um, you know, so it's been kind of frustrating watching people give the benefit of the doubt automatically to the coach and um, and just sort of selectively, you know, ignore things. And and, and like you said, Brian, like I think I, I think you're right. I think Cassidy and his family went, OK, fine, here's the tape. And even after the tape, people are still like, I don't see anything that you did wrong. And, I'm, like, you know, if he's got covid, he should be excluded. And I'm like, that's not that's not the point. So
2: yeah the, the obviously the, the issue that you know um, we take uh with the uh, with what he said is is kind of the nature. like uh, cassidy didn't bring up the unity movement and this was right. obviously the the call was recorded about a week before the, um the sun you know before it was released and so he did, rolovich at the time didn't really know much about it and it was kind of weird that just he would he would speak on it based on rumors or whatever, you know? And, and it's just, it's a point where he's like, he, he just shouldn't have said anything about it. Like what they were.
1: But he, he did know something. He did know something. Cause he yeah. said he references getting paid and right. he references racial equality. And the next day Pat Chun comes out and says, well, nobody knew I had any idea what these people were about. And I'm like, no, that's not true. That's a lie Girl, because in the phone um... call, in the phone call, it's very clear that Rolovich knows What's coming.
0: You also don't even have to like parse it through the phone call. Um, Cassidy Woods came out and said that prior to this, they had requested a meeting with him specifically about the unity movement and had already talked to him about it um, as well. So he was, this is, it's actually kind of funny. I was talking to someone else about this too. Like the unity movement happened over the course of about a month. Um, It came together. It's pretty fast for it to happen that way. And it came together over, I want you to imagine a 400 person group text. Like it came together yeah. and it's a miracle that this can happen in this day and age. And it's why you can organize so fast. And it's also a nightmare that makes me like scream for alerts, but basically it wasn't a secret. Like no, many, many athletes at many programs knew about it. And anyone that's been through any kind of union effort ever knows that like it's going to pop up and people are going to figure it out. And the people in power, will. he knew about it.
2: Yeah. And I think we, uh, through the leech air, like, people got so used to um, the football coach kind of being the face. That's the first time we at WSU had the football coach be the face truly of the university. And uh, it's so it, it, it's kind of, if Rolovich is making statements on it and yeah, he didn't know it was a, it was a call, but that doesn't make anything he said like excusable um, just because he didn't know it was recorded. Um so he's he's making comments on that uh even if this call's not recorded, you gotta know that like it I mean your your player has the right to share that information that you're telling him or you know that that if if you say something to him um that he feels is needs to be heard, he can do it without the recording it I know a lot of people take it take issue with the recording itself um you know because it's uh, in the state of Washington you need two party um uh two party uh, consent during so yeah. recording a call um yeah it's true it's illegal but um Rolovich is not going to press charges who cares yeah who cares and, and <laughs> but it's and, and also a lot of y'all wouldn't believe what he said until he fucking released the the it's audio so true but you would believe anything and even then Rolovich... they
1: still didn't believe it
3: yeah so most of them
2: so this is what the, this kid is thinking is like I'm going to record this because I have a feeling I know what my coach is going to say and, and no one's going to believe me. No one's going to believe my side. And because like you said, the coach has got the power in this situation. He's got the following. And so I, mean I don't blame the kid for wanting to record the call. And obviously they didn't release the call immediately. Like Brian said, they were pushed to a point where they felt they they needed to because they were getting basically attacked for what they were saying.
1: Right. I mean that, go ahead, Brian. The,
2: well, this
0: is a, like Cassidy Woods is a smart young man. He is already like an active leader on campus and Oregon. Like he, he had that conversation with, with Rolovich and like, yeah, you want to have something you want to like have record of that. You know that like it's, it's going to be a kind of awkward thing. I think that the, he might might have had a feeling that the conversation was going to get weird about the unity thing for whatever reason. And Look, man, no one cares about, very few people actually truly care about what is two party and one party consent unless you are a journalist. You can right. go state by state and no one could tell you who the two party states are or right. if, you know, Cassidy Woods had recorded this from Texas or, or, as if it somehow
1: invalidates the content of the call, right? Mm hmm. Or shows like, and I, I think people are using it to, oh, well, he obviously had bad motive if he recorded the call. And I'm like, I just like one thing that we talk about a lot is the power dynamic between coaches and players and it is a extreme power imbalance in favor of the coaches as it has been for, you know, a century and a half virtually everywhere. Now not there are some instances where the players have a fair amount of leverage, mostly I think at like the top level basketball programs where there's only a handful of players and a couple guys can make a difference and, you know, those kinds of things, but as far as football goes, football players have no leverage. Like, like even at the football factories, you know, they've got no leverage, Why they call them football factories. Like if you're at Alabama and you are of no use to Nick Saban anymore, you are cast off with a medical scholarship. And the next guy is taking your, the next five-star kid is taking your spot. Right. Um, and so there's this extreme power imbalance and, and I, you know, I, I always advocate for simple explanations, right? Well, why did, why did Cassidy Woods record this phone call in the first place? Well, because he felt, Scared probably. Like like he probably felt like he needed some sort of record of the call, either to make sure that he was uh you know, that his scholarship was gonna be honored or that uh you know, he's he was a, uh, you know, maybe afraid that, you know, what was gonna you know, what happened was gonna happen, you know, where uh Rolovich says, Hey, if you're if you're, you know, checking out because of COVID, I'm good. But if it's this other thing, and it's like this is where you know people who are like, well, I don't, I don't think Rolovich said anything bad. I don't know what you're talking about. It's like you're not even reading it because, like, the words are the words, right? Like, if you're saying I'm good with this, but you're saying conversely, I am not good with this other thing, right? Like, even if he didn't say I'm not good with this, you know, it's it's pretty clear from choosing words like that he is juxtaposing these two positions, one path this way, the other path is going to be a problem. And, you know, I just, I don't know, like I just, like, I don't buy that, um, you know, when, when we've got a hundred plus years of history of any time, any kind of organizing comes to college uh, sports that it tries, you know, that, that the, any, any member institution of the NCAA tries to crush it, you know, it's it's look. I mean, it it appears we know that you know it came out today. We know that uh, Patrick Nunn was talked to in similar terms that that Rolovich talked to talked to Woods and McDougall Lamont McDougall also said on Twitter that hey, basically I was told my career would be over if I um, if I sat out any games. So, I mean, we've got players lining up to say yeah, we all received this same message, and yet people are still wanting to. Uh, uh convince themselves that Rolovich had pure intentions or was over his skis and just like not smart enough to to say what he meant to say or or whatever um which i I think is, is sort of strains strains uh credulity a little bit
0: it's uh, the the thing about that call was that so much was was said and so much ground was covered that it's interesting to me because it kind of lays bare how you the reader you the listener. Can be your own editor in that situation, and you can piece together what you want from that call how depending on how you listen to it and what you shave off of it or add to it or whatever else. Um, and it's it's interesting because you can take Cassidy Woods told you how he took that call, and that was a way that you can take the call. Rolovich also explained in the statement later that you know he was doing this other thing on the call, and sure, you can find that in there too but I think you need to listen to Woods and Nunn when they say this is how we felt the call went down because they were in the position of least power in this situation and those are the people that you should really try to listen to when this stuff happens.
2: Yeah, absolutely that we it's I mean this is something that we've it's it's honestly been a societal issue uh recently hitting us over the head is like listening to the people that are not in power when they're screaming to you about what the people in power are saying um it's like and exactly brian like it, we can listen to the players and uh and jeff i know you've been hitting that uh, hitting that hard on twitter and you know some people have thrown um jihad uh, woods's tweet today about um uh people are trying to force a negative narrative on rollo it's really wild to me to any up-and-coming recruiting class don't listen to the media or anyone outside of this team they don't know shit well the 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 issue i have with that is we're not listening to people outside of the team we're listening to cassidy woods like we're listening to a (laughs) player on the team patrick nunn and patrick mcdougall yeah so i in and then I, I, i i don't know what he's like trying to say there i i force a negative narrative narrative on rollo yeah we're, we're we're taking issue with what he said that that's what we're doing like we're not trying to force and some sort of narrative on him um it's it's okay to call him out for making a mistake and it's okay to demand that he does better and uh and it, it's it's okay to listen to what players on the team are saying even if it is uh maybe painting a negative light of your football coach um it it's uh it's wild to me I, I I appreciated um Cassie Woods's response um you know he he said I haven't and never will have anything bad to say about my coach and AD it's just the situation was handled poorly by them which is exactly right right like that's it w- it was handled poorly and how dare okay.
1: you suggest – how dare you suggest that there's room for nuance? Yeah, like it's, it's – how, how dare you? I
2: know, right? No, no. <laughs> fire everyone. How dare you? Fire everybody or cut all the players. E- either yeah. way.
1: Like I don't there, – There is no middle <laughs> ground here, Craig. You got to pick a side. So
0: I think one of the things that we ran into on Sunday and it bled into Monday and even today especially was like – and this, like, he later reported a story, too, but people kind of singled out. Bomani and a few others were saying that Rolovich should be fired, and that's not actually what was said. Um, the thing that was said here about it is not necessarily he's going to be fired tomorrow, but if this is true and if this is how it went down, it's going to cost him in the long term and will probably eventually cost him his job. And Jahad Woods mentioning the recruits is the important part here.
2: Right. Yeah. There's
0: a lot of people who are watching what coaches do across the country very closely right now in a way that I've never seen covering the sport for a decade. But the people are talking, recruits are talking, athletes are talking, and if a coach steps sideways, it could very quickly end his career over the next few years via recruiting too.
1: Absolutely and and we've already seen that recruiting's been a bit of a struggle <laughs> for role but even so even in the, the
0: in the situation with WSU like you don't have to assume malicious intent to look at that like craig said and go that's that's bad you can't do that and you know i think everyone right. was rushing to say to try kind of to try to judge intentions and all that but like when you look at it it's just bad like intentions are not none of that was good and some folks got some work to do to fix it.
3: But-
1: and, and look, I, f- I fully admit that I'm coming from a place of uh, being extremely skeptical of management, being someone who has a proud union member and has been through, a, you know, a couple of labor fights in, in his, uh, in his job and it, just kind of like seeing some of the tactics that are employed to try and, you know, Break up unity in a union and and some of the the stuff that I'm seeing already is is just like it's really classic union busting. And, And I know people are like, you know, look, I'm telling you, if it walks like a duck and quacks like a duck, it's usually a duck. And You know, the stuff they're doing, taking organizers and separating them from the rest of the team or the rest of the the rank and file. Let's go ahead and use like union language. Right. Taking the organizers and separating them from the rank and file, um, punishing the organizers uh, and then also trying to turn the rank and file against each other. Um, those are like the three biggest tools that any union busting effort has. I mean, look, this isn't you know 1850. Like we're not talking about you know kneecapping people and and things like that. I mean, it's it's much more sophisticated these days, and and that's you know precisely sort of the three biggest tools that any um, any you know management. Uh, organization has to try and keep labor from organizing. So um so I, I fully recognize I'm, you know, way more sensitive to that than than most people are, but I'm also like yo, like saying, you know, just sort of implying like hey, you know, this if if you opt for this other thing, I mean that's that's going to be an issue. And I, and that, those were Rolovich's words, right? I mean, he said this is going to be an issue for you if it's this other thing. Um so, you know, I just on the one hand, you know, I, I I want to try and be as charitable as humanly possible. But at, you know, number one, the idea of this organizing effort, look, players organizing, I think you use this phrase, Brian, players organizing is an existential threat to the NCAA. And to these athletic departments, like like this is salaries, you know. NIL, NIL, any any legislation from antitrust, whatever, none tax exemptions. None of that is as big of a threat to these departments as the as the players organizing. Like like that's number one. Okay, so if they are that because they do have a ton of power. So if it is that big of a deal, it then makes logical sense it logically follows that they would go to pretty harsh measures right away to try and nip this thing off and it's very clear that WSU has you know already had something in the works or already had some kind of message communicated before the the quote-unquote demands came out on Sunday And, and so that's the part where I have a hard time like like look I like Pat Chun as much as the next guy but Pat Chun lied like Pat Chun lied When he said nobody had any idea what that's a lie. That's an absolute lie. You know, Rolovich mentioned it in the call. So no, like that's that's not true. And Rolovich, you know, communicated the same message to multiple players. So that's that's where I have my problem. And look, if they came out and said, you know, hey, look, uh, you know, yeah, you know, we 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 screwed up. We should just be listening because, I mean, at this point, that's the whole thing. Right. Like they haven't even done anything yet. There's no boycott yet. Like, all they're saying is, these. this is our list of things that we want. Let's talk about them.
2: Yeah, we, will, know? The, and yet, we will. They said we will boycott if yeah. they're not met. And as in all uh, boycotts, there's a, an element of negotiation. So Of course. And and you, you're not going to go in being like, oh, can like we have- Like, none of those guys can, think
1: they're can, can getting 50%. Can, yeah, can right? we have
2: 10% of the revenue? Okay, you're getting zero if you say 10. Like, that's, that's just what it is. Like, you can't, it's a negotiation- like, uh, it's, people should understand that. Like it, uh, and anytime someone comes into, like, if you've ever negotiated your salary at a job, like it, it I, I've been in, you don't show in, up
1: asking for a, a 2% raise.
2: Yeah. I, I know. I learned this, like one of my first jobs where I actually had to negotiate a salary. I made the mistake of saying a range instead of just a number. And they gave me in the middle of that range. And, and, and that started me off on a lower salary for the entire time I was at that company. So the next time I got another job, I said a number and I did not, you know, I was like, this is the number, like, this is it. And so you, knowing that if they offered me a little bit less, I'd be okay. But if if you put yourself in a situation where you're kind of doing the low end of your spectrum, you're going to end up even lower than that. And so it's, it's so you have to come in with any negotiation with more. It's like classic negotiation tactics. Like, I don't know why people are so like freaked out about like this list of demands. Like, like that they're like, if, if, if schools and conferences, uh, went, got into some sort of, uh, good faith negotiation, I'm, I'm guessing the players wouldn't boycott and mass like they wouldn't do it because they'd, they'd feel like they're being heard. Um, but if they, but if they come in with, you know, but if, but if they come in with these low demands, then they're not going to get what they want ever. And so, yeah, it's crazy. Um, I, I, I had one more thing I wanted to mention because it, it's driving me nuts. Like people, uh, kind of, uh, painting Rolovich as, as like this, Kind of like dumb dude, like like they're they're being sympathetic to him because they're like, oh well, he was put in a tough situation, and and like like like, do you want him to be this like great leader of men or do you want him to be this bumbling idiot? Like, choose which one you want. (laughs) Which which one is he?
3: Yeah, probably not both.
2: Yeah, like so he knew it. Like he knows what he's doing when he's saying these things. Like he's not being an idiot. Like it's it's the fact that he would say them as though we're taking issue with and, and we're well and he could assuming... have stayed
1: out of it, right?
2: Yes, yeah, he easily. He could it, He could honestly... have been like,
1: Hey, I totally understand your demands, I totally like like I get it, I get it, man. But you know what, this is above my pay grade, so you know, good luck. <laughs> I mean he could have done that. But that, that's his
0: response in the world is just I hear you. We'll talk about it. Like you it, know, especially he sought for... out that quite he he sought out that conflict in that phone call.
2: And yeah, so especially for a coach, why? right? Like So the coach, question is why? Right? Because he sees it as, like you said, he see it, it's it. he sees it as a threat, and obviously it's there was a personal some, threat it's to a personal him. threat. So yeah, there's, he's, there's he's also not,
0: the coach brain side of this thing too. Yeah. And it's yes. like a little bit in the middle of this, which is there's a you know, there's the whole bigger existential threat of immunization, But but explain co- the,
1: make sure and explain coach brain. Like what so, is coach brain?
0: Coach brain is, like, it's kind of a cop-out, but it's also what I, like, look at is, like, the football coach thinks in a certain way. It's always, like, protect the team first, blah, 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 blah. And, like, it's the it's what Pete Carroll would, like, it's his three rules, stuff like that. Um, and you could look at this as well, kind of down the middle of it, as Rolovich's coach brain taking over and him going, I need my one team, and these people are going to advocate for this thing, which is inherently divisive. So I can't have my one team. So I'm going to get away. I'm going to get you all away from this team. Um, that's also union busting anyway, but it's more accidental union busting because he's thinking like a coach and thinking about things like distractions and stuff like that that you hear in the press. Right. And he wants them to go away.
2: Yeah, that's it. He, uh, yeah, it's that's that's exactly right. Like he he, it, and if you're looking at this as a divisive thing that's 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 part of why i take issue too. like if you're looking at this from strictly a football and recruiting like you mentioned earlier brian recruiting perspective wouldn't you want to be the coach that is supportive of the players like and supportive of of the the things that they care about like versus the player that is coming out and saying or the coach that's coming out and saying no i don't agree with that um um i think i saw uh uh, was it like Jack Del Rio said? Like no one wants to know what I think about it. Like that's <laughs> that's a better thing to say than what Rolovich is like says to his players. You know, like just don't say anything. Like just don't. Like if you if you if if it's worrying you, well just be the okay. Yeah, I hear you. Like you said. Like I hear you. I hear you. It, it's whatever. Like if if you want to be like if 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 Rolovich is as supportive of of the players as as he, you know, as we've seen him show to be like then just be that supportive guy and it's you're gonna look way better in the end and WSU your program is going to be better off for it
0: it's kind of weird to look at it this way but Roll because the football coach is a football coach and like we look at them as a space program but in this specific situation Rolovich is middle management um he is yeah. closer to his players who are the employees even if they're not actually employees and that's the bigger problem they're
1: employees.
0: But the athletic director is the actual senior leadership here, and the conference leadership is the, like, executive leadership, and the NCAA is, like, your board. So, like, where Rolovich falls on this chain is a really weird place, and that's not to, like, cop out anything he does, but when you look at this as an effort and as an existential crisis in college football, because it is... The football coaches are the middle management. They're on the wrong side of that management. They're paid a lot of money, and it's going to cut into their bottom line if some of the revenue stuff happens. But like, they're a lot closer to the players than you may think, and they should be. But yeah, they before... don't always
1: act like it, right? Like that's yeah. like that's kind of the issue. Yeah. Is they don't act like it though. Yeah, they'd they be like
0: control over their team still at the same
1: time.
2: Yeah, they'd be like the the senior manager of of sales. Um, is or the man is just acting like he runs the entire place and it also makes like five times as mo- much as his boss you know <laughs> like the you know whatever <laughs> like it it, it that that's but it, it's true yeah like but but yeah like you said in this situation it's totally like your boss and it's like I don't know, like, so I I worked at a ta- Target that it's the Target anti union video is famous, like you can find it on the internet. But I remember, like, I I worked at Target, and I think it was when I moved to Nashville, it was two thousand nine. And one of the first things I said, like, your boss, like, shows you this video of this, like, really cheesy, like, I remember rolling my eyes so hard, like, this anti-union video. And basically, Rolovich is in the situation being my, like, target manager putting that vid- VHS in the in the player <laughs> and get in feeding that line. Like, that's what it feels like to me. And like, I, like, I can laugh about it, but also it's like it, it makes me mad and annoyed at the same time
1: well, and that's the thing i mean we're we're giggling about it but the reality is cassidy woods's career at wsu is over right and, yep. and this is a this is a guy who uh, in his two years on campus invested a lot um, in the school you know he founded founded or co-founded the black student athlete uh, i think alliance is what it's called right bsaa Um, you know, seen as a, as a, as a great student and a, and a leader, uh, maybe if not on the field, because he maybe hadn't produced quite to that capacity yet, but off the field for sure. And also a guy who was, uh, you know, is respected in the locker room and, and his career is done at WSU and who knows where his career goes from there. Right. I mean, he's a guy of, you know, thus far in his career, modest production Um, And as we've seen, you know, with football, like entering the transfer portal in football is way more fraught than entering the transfer portal in basketball, Mm -hmm. like basketball, much more movement, kind of free flowing, Um, you know, in football, man, you see like, uh, you know, ostensibly talented guys, you know, enter the portal and then it's like, you know, there's really no landing spot for you, Um, you know, unless a guy wants to go the JUCO route, which Cassidy Woods can't do. At this point, uh, maybe he could. I don't know. Maybe he could do next year, Juco, depending on how they handle the eligibility of this season for somebody who opts out. Maybe he's got one more year of eligibility left at a Juco Um, or he's, you know, maybe the FCS route, right? Because he's already redshirted. So, you know, maybe he drops down and then he doesn't have to sit out a year. But, you know, look, I mean, his his chances, you know, maybe he gets a waiver from the NCAA for a runoff, but. You know, I don't know, maybe the NCAA isn't going to isn't going to grant that after, uh, you know, after given that the NCAA is not exactly going to like these organizing efforts either. So I don't know, like it's, you know, we sort of laugh and we've and I understand like we got to we got to laugh a little because everything sucks. But um, and, and, you know, we've spent all this time talking about Rolovich, but man, like 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 my heart breaks for Woods and not, you know, and and I'm sure there are people who will listen to it and say. Like well, you know, he he made his choice, and 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 that is one hundred percent true. You know, he stood up for what he believed in, and um, you know, and he's he's going down that road, and and I respect him a ton for it because it takes a ton of courage. But I can still, I can still say yes, he made a choice, and yes, it breaks my heart. Like I can watch John Lewis get his skull beat in at a. Uh, you know at a bridge and say well john lewis made the choice to be there while also saying my heart is breaking that you know a cop is crushing his head like if that makes sense so I, I don't know I guess that's kind of how, how I'm feeling about about woods right now who who seems like a real asset to the university and, and he's now going to be run off.
2: Well, and yeah, and people will point to that they're honoring his scholarship and all that. Yeah, that's, it's not, that's, a that's leadership. not really a hard thing for WSU to do. It's not like they're, they're literally writing like it's a, a sunk 50, cost, like a $50,000 check or whatever. Like it, like it's, yeah. And it's, it's, it, he's already like part of the scholarship limit on the football team. They're not going to replace that. Like it's, it's not that hard for WSU to offer that, um, at the same time, they kind of know that he's probably going to look somewhere else. And sorry, Brian, I know you had something to
0: say. I think in this situation, like if you look at, at Washington State specifically, the only people who took true risks in this situation so far are Cassidy Woods and Patrick Nunn that we know of. That stepped up and said, look, I'm part of this movement. And either I am or I'm willing to opt out because of this. And you should really listen to those people. Like, a football locker room is not a monolith. There's a whole bunch of of differing opinions, and you should listen to everyone, especially the players. But the the people who stepped out and did something here were those players, Cassidy Woods, uh, Patrick Nunn, and I'm not sure if there's others who have fully decided to opt out or go public with it. Well,
1: Dallas Hobbs is the you know, is the media.
0: The third that was mentioned. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's
1: definitely in now, whether he's, you know, considering actually sitting out, I don't know, but,
0: um... but, but in terms of like the worst thing that's happening to, to Nick Rolovich right now is he's, you know, taking it in the public sphere and like, he's, it's not even really that bad for him.
2: Well, he's got an army of people defending him too. And a university. So it's like, not really that bad for him. Mm -hmm. Like, And he's still, he's still got that contract. And he may have, and anything that, any consequences that maybe um, he's receiving, like if you want to say that Cassidy Woods like made his decisions, like, well, Rolovich decided to say what he said to his players. So like, if you're not going to feel bad for Cassidy Woods, then you shouldn't feel bad for Rolovich either. Yeah, it should,
0: it should say something that like Cassidy Woods probably went into that conversation knowing it would be that would be it for him and still went through with it.
1: And and I think that I think there's maybe also something to be said for the idea that the releasing of the audio perhaps made it possible for Patrick Nunn and Dallas Hobbs to align themselves with this and yet still retain a possibility of playing for the team again. I, I don't think that's right. that much of a stretch because, you know, again, the messages, all three of these players plus Lamont McDougal. All, th- all four of those guys have said in different ways and to different people. I understand it to mean that if I align myself with this and I threaten to sit out games, I will be cut off. I will be cast aside. And the blowback from the woods thing was so great that, you know, Rolovich comes out with a statement 30 hours later, by the way, you know, it takes him 30 hours later to craft a 139 word statement that still is much more like, I'm sorry, you were offended type apology. It's not even an apology. It's just like, I'm sorry, you took it the wrong way, even though like the words are are, are pretty clear.
2: I regret that it, that yeah. my words were construed, I think is what he said. I regret that my
1: words were construed as opposition, even though the words were clearly set up to convey opposition, but whatever. At the end of that statement, he does say, hey, look, you know, anybody who aligns themselves with this group will be welcome at team activities. Okay, it seems clear from what the players have said to different people that that was not the case a couple of days ago. So maybe Cassidy Woods is the reason why that is. And maybe because he put this out there and because Rolovich, you know, got dragged a little bit, not by our fans, but by, you know, the national media. Um, And other people's fans that, you know, maybe maybe Cassidy Woods, you know, paved the way for those guys to to align themselves with the movement and also maybe also eventually, um, you know, have a way back with the team, which I think is pretty. I I don't know. Heroics, probably a a little hyperbolic, but but certainly certainly uh, admirable, at least in my book.
2: Absolutely. Brian, any other thoughts on this very fun topic?
0: No, I mean I think just to like bring it all the way back to what they're actually arguing about, because we get down in the details with the WSU situation. You really should read what they wrote what the what the players of the union movement wrote in the players' review and actually look at their list of quote unquote demands. Because it's really smart. Like they they showed a really good understanding of how the college system works and while People may not agree with what they said. If you go point by point, there's a lot of people now that are talking about things like endowment funds that never would have a a week ago. They're talking about the salaries of administrators that they wouldn't have understood a week or a month ago. And what the players are really asking for, there's three out of the four broad sweeping points are to protect other things, to like actually realize, um, racial justice initiatives and to, do player safety and take care of all that. I know it's all wrapped up in one thing, but there are reasons for that. And I think what the players have done is is tied together a really coherent argument about how this whole system of college athletics, not just college football, how it all works. And it really does boil down to the points that they made. And yeah, they're framed as demands, but you can look at those and understand how the system of college football works right now. And there's, there's good... Sense and actually paying attention to those and not losing them the noise of everything else and all the adults arguing over it. But what they asked for and what they brought up is really interesting and really well done because, as someone who's also like steeped in the NCAA industry and all that, they hit on a lot of the right notes and said a lot of the things out loud that, that people just who work in this or live in this know and understand.
1: Which is why maybe they've scared some people. <laughs> right. Well, I mean like, you
0: don't the thing that's different now is they they called out Larry Scott by name. Yeah. They called out administrators by name. Yep. And
2: you know how much money he makes now. Yep. That's a lot of money, isn't it?
1: Well, and one of the things so Bomani has his Jones, fancy
2: office in, in downtown yeah, San Francisco.
1: Walnut Creek. Um You know, Bomani Jones wrote the long story for the undefeated, um, which he apparently was had worked on for about a month leading up to it. You know, he'd gotten wind of this organizing effort and, and had you know, kind of been reporting it out for about a month. And then um, he also had his podcast today. So he's got an ESPN podcast the right time where where he kind of went more in depth into this talked specifically about the Cassidy Woods situation. But one of the points that he brought up and I think this is this goes along with what you were saying, Brian, is that um you know a lot of these players really had been in the dark about a lot of this stuff and they kind of had their eyes open like like somebody started showing them the numbers like this is how much revenue you generate and he said that in reporting it out and talking to these guys he found out they were like wait what <laughs> you know they they legitimately did not know or understand uh the actual number somebody was putting numbers To what to their value to the university and just saying like, look, you know, here's what the TV contract is worth. Here's what Larry Scott makes. Here's what your coach makes. Here's what you know. And all of a sudden they start totaling up these numbers and people are like these players like, holy shit, like like they had no idea. Right. Or at least they had never put it all together. And that's also, again, you know we you know we talked about union busting I mean that's a pretty again pretty typical you know union busting strategy making sure that you know you know the 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 workers are in the dark on as much as possible um you know so so he said look you know they they made it very clear that all of a sudden their eyes were opened to some of these things and and you know and that's um perhaps maybe you know some of the scariest stuff because you know they they were very specific the part that baffles me and and you know I mean I don't know maybe You guys have thoughts on this, but, um, you know, the part that baffles me is why fans have such a visceral reaction to Mm. demands like this, because because there's not there is literally not one demand on that list that would impact a fan like like not one like there are 17 of them and which by the way like is the greatest thing cuz they're all simple and straightforward and very plainly stated. Not one of those demands has any material impact on a fan. Even the one that everybody's globbing onto which is the 50% split, right? Like that money ain't coming out of your pocket. That money's yeah. coming out of Nick Rolovich's pocket. All that, that means
2: is you're seeing uh you're you're not having fancy ass locker rooms that the fans don't use right, that we you're, don't use, that, and you're, we don't. You're see. seeing a, like Nick Rolovich is making you know instead of um, three million dollars, he's making one and a half million dollars. Like I look, know,
1: yeah, or I'm, Larry I'm Scott's so mad making about
0: this because I've spent like years and almost a decade trying to find a like a smart salient way to get this to stick. But I can't remember who it was. I think it was the California lineman said. It's a spending problem. It's right. not a money problem. It's a spending problem. And that that was actually posted. the
1: WSU cross-country runner. Who's oh, yeah. And
0: so it was Cooper. So yeah. explaining that that is a spending problem. It's not it's a money the problem. core of what college athletics is. There and is right now- so much money. We have the money that is in, and when you look at WSU and you talk about like future debt and all that um, that we've had on construction projects, everything is predicated on that line on the chart going up into the right every year. The right. money going up into the right yep. every year, and the schools have spent so long because they are this way because they have to be saying we're nonprofits, we don't have any extra money, we have to like have all this to do all this. It's a spending problem, and the point that the player is making that by hitting on the revenue is that. You're spending money bad. If you want it to actually be about the sports, you need to spend it on the sports,
1: right? And you know, WSU being the poorest, right? W the poorest Power Five program still brings in uh, seventy plus million dollars in revenue, right? And of that revenue, so this is this is by the USA Today. Of that revenue, fifty plus million is media and ticket revenue. And virtually all of that is due to football. Right. So, and we could say, okay, there are probably some ticket sales in, in other sports that, that add to that. But, you know, if we say, okay, so let's knock a couple million off the top, right? Like, okay, so football brings in $48 million of revenue. And yet the total, the total cost of scholarships at WSU is like $11 million. Right. And and so, and that's where it's, and, and so this, at WSU, it's 85-15.
3: It's 85 percent
1: – 15 percent goes to the labor and 85 percent goes to everything else. And that number gets – that 15 percent gets smaller, way smaller at virtually every other Power 5 school.
2: Well, and that's when people, people are like, oh, this is going to screw over the the cross-country player, the, the tennis player. What's well, like not if schools don't want – like, schools can vary much spend more money on the players. They can totally and, and, spend it and differently. keep and keep all of those sports.
1: And the players, look, like, and this is the thing, like people are like, "Oh, the, what about the facilities?" The players have made it very clear that they don't give two shits about facilities.
0: So this goes into like a little bit further of a, a side quest here. The facilities and all of the other stuff is it's a very classic we're going to put you in our own bubble where we control everything and now you're trapped. Yep. And it's that way with the facilities, the weight rooms, all that. But it's also like, look, man, these athletes are being paid in shrew bucks, basically. (laughs) Like, here's your Amazon dollars. You work for us. There's a stipend for your housing, but that, like, the rest is like you're paying money. You can
2: eat all you want because we want you to eat all you want.
0: (laughs) Like, these are things that are like you. You become trapped in that bubble because it's like that. And I think what, but you get free
1: access to our state of the art weight room and free coaching and
0: at at
1: four in the morning, you can't put a dollar value on that
0: and you can really live here if you want but like what's happening now is they're realizing that college football players were already in their own bubble on campus and now the rest of the students aren't there and they're like wait a minute if we're like this special and you need us to plow forward to make money this um this semester exactly then why aren't we getting a cut of that because we're not regular students here anymore are we Yep, is very obvious now is
1: the is the visceral fan reaction that and we see this over and over and over again it was all over the Koog Center commenting threads, which can always be dangerous, but you know is is the idea that well, if they don't like it, they can leave, or you know Brady Quinn or Danny Cannell or any of these other uh you know guys who somehow made millions as quarterbacks but have convinced everybody that they are every man. Um, saying, oh, this is a slap in the face of every person who had to take out student loans to go through college or whatever. Like, like, I don't know. My simple explanation is it's just jealousy. Um, You know, the, the visceral reaction of these players don't deserve a penny more. They're getting they're already getting a free education when like, they're like mad I said, that they
2: didn't get that.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, the players getting compensated doesn't affect us in any material way. So why do you think people act as if it affects them? Is it, is it just jealousy? Is, is it something else? Is it, I mean, I'll just say it. Is it, is it racism? Right? Like if we're talking about, you know, black kids. Like, is that, I mean, what, what do you guys think that it is that causes this reaction of, I don't want those guys to get one penny more, even though it doesn't affect me actually.
2: Well, I think there, there's also an element of uh, just basically, we've th- this is how it's supposed to be. Like this is what it is. Like they get a scholarship, and yeah, that like I think the jealousy does play. In the fact, like oh, I had to pay for my school, and and they they already don't have to pay for their school. And you kind of when you're growing up, you view you view that like that scholarship to to play a sport as a really cool thing especially if you're like from a small town like For i sure. am like yeah. you're like oh my god that what a dream and like well that's
1: like the ultimate right i mean that's yeah. the goal like yeah, i teach so, high school and i got students who are like my goal is to get a scholarship you know an athletic scholarship so
2: yeah and but but at the same time like you you when if 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 i got a scholarship to wsu like just to study whatever like especially for an undergrad, like you're really not giving like you're not giving much back to the university as an undergrad student. Like you you're you they they don't that you're not a, a some you're not like promoting the university in any way by just like getting A's in your classes or whatever. Like but a, a football player, it, it, we know who they are. We associate them with WSU. Like we like they they give us a reason to go to Pullman and spend money at WSU and donate. Like I, I donate more money to the university because of the football team. And I, and I, and I donate like a lot of people do that. And a lot of people go to the university because of the football team, like, because they want to, like I, when I chose my schools to go to, it was UW or WSU because I wanted to see big time college football and basketball. That was it. Like that was what, that was what I wanted to see. And so this was a draw for me. And that is not because of the coat. Like it's not because of the existence of football. The players have to be there. Like the players have to be there and they have to make it good and they have to make it fun to watch and they have to make your team relevant. And, and we've seen lots of players come in and out of WSU who we just have these, um, kind of they're, they're like hero status, But what they got from WSU during that time was, you know, a scholarship, which is fine. Like, yeah, college degrees are valuable. Um, I, you know, there's a, there's a way that they're valuable beyond money that I like to ascribe, but nobody's saying
1: it's not valuable, right? But yeah,
2: but even, but even like, let's like, uh, Brian and I graduated from around the same time. We'll tell you when we went into the job market College degrees from a from a strictly financial uh perspective are not what they used to be. Like they're they're not some guarantee of a of it's a job. It's not a
1: free job, man. Like it yeah, is we, not. We
0: graduated into a tank investment, man. It was like Yeah. Yeah, but really I but I but I've back.
2: seen kids even even like as the economy improved, like I, I, I've I've seen lots of people come out of college and it's not it's just because there's more people with college degrees now as a percentage
0: well and think of about a football player too at this point it's been brought up a lot but like a football player isn't a normal suit and again like that means that they are not doing normal student things like going home and doing internship blah blah, blah. they're not doing a lot of the connection things outside of football which again right them to a program at a
2: particular i mean they have it. a full-time job already more than a full-time yeah, yeah. Well, and, time now
1: and Ooh. a lot of our fans think back to when they were in school and they're like, Oh yeah, I ran into players all the time. They lived on my floor at Stevenson. They da da Right. Mm-hmm. And like, that's not the case really anymore. No, like they're I mean, pretty much sequestered at this.
2: Yeah. Point. My, my sister played uh community college basketball and in like 2010. And by that point, even at a community college, like, the only people she knew were on the basketball team and then like the other athletes, because that's all she saw because she was either in the weight room or she was at practice or she was like eating lunch with the eating her meals because, and she was in classes with them because their schedule had to fit a certain way because you have to fit your schedule around practice. You have to fit your schedule around weightlifting, around certain meals, around your study time. Like, so it's, it's, it was just that one year she did like, just, just was like so intense. And that was at a community, like a community college. And so just, you can add like for a a football player at WSU, you can add definitely at least 25% to what my sister was doing at a, at a community college.
0: There's a, like for whatever reason that um, people side against athletes or, you know, take the side of the coaches or whatever else. And there's a variety of reasons. One of them is definitely racism and, and, there's classes and there's a whole bunch of different things that you could, you know, decide to do that. But the point that um, Cassidy Woods kind of made this today in his tweet, I've heard it from Spencer Hall and in various, like, different ways from different people, is that we go out there and, like, we, as a Royal we fans, like, we'll go watch these players play on Saturday. We'll cheer them on. You live or die with them for four hours a week. That's quite a bit of investment in something this isn't going to work until you actually give a shit about them seven days a week. until you love them seven days a week. Like you do in that one block on Saturday. Otherwise this sport's not going to work. Like the, the game in this is like, you're trying to convince yourself that you love these players on Saturday. You watch them on the field, but you can't just ignore the rest of their weeks, the rest of their lives, who they are as people. And until you actually feel empathy with them, like this is broken.
3: Well that's
1: the issue, right? Like they're not actually people. I mean, I got really mad at somebody on the Kook Center thread for really just talking about players as commodities, as investments, right? WC has invested two years into Cassidy Woods, and I'm like, fuck you. Like like I really don't have a nice way to say that. <laughs> like like literally that's how I feel. Like these are not commodities, they are people, you know? And to reduce them to uh, reduce them to a commodity or reduce them to the four hours on Saturday or whatever, um, you know, is, is extremely uh, frustrating and, you know, borderline revolting to me. I, so
2: I have to um, poke fun at um, some of the, the stuff I've seen in your mentions um, in my mentions. In <laughs> There's Brian's a lot punches. in there, Craig, yeah, but, but, but the, the um the notion that the players by ad, by asking for uh, fair market pay for the right to move freely between schools for the, the the right to be able to profit on their own name image and likeness is somehow uh, Marxist like or communist like or socialist like what it like what is wrong with your brain like if it's you, the most capitalist like thing this ever. this is
1: the players. <laughs>
2: doing like being capitalists like and and you are uh, you're you're calling them so like marxists like because they want fair pay for the money they generate for these universities like let's just get the fuck out of here with that shit like i'm I, every time i see that i just my eyes like I, I i they roll so far back in my head like it's painful like and and it's always like a fucking like it's the the no face the the no twitter image Um, like, you know, like the, the old egg, it's not an egg anymore, but like, it's just nonsense. Like this, that's just such a nonsense take. And I don't know what you're reading or what, how you're coming to that conclusion that someone wanting to make money for themselves is somehow socialist. Um, but just get that out of your brain. It's fucking stupid.
0: Yeah. Change is coming, whether it's name, image and likeness or further steps like this, get used to it, get acquainted with it and get on board with it.
1: Well, and the change is going to be as incremental as the NCAA can get away with, right? And all it, all it means is... Because that's their goal is to appease. All like, it means like is that... bits at a time.
2: That player that you love, like, scoring a touchdown, like, that means that, like, Gardner Minshew, that dude that you worship, made made a little more money while he was at WSU. Like, that's all that means. Like, it means he's better off. Don't Don't you like him? Like, don't... Like aren't don't you want him to be happy? And it
1: doesn't take any money out of your pocket. Yeah, like nothing. Like why is that like why is that problematic? Like because they they won't have as nice of a facility that they say they don't want anyway, then that's a problem for you. Like it makes it makes none of it makes any sense. At all, unless it's just something else like jealousy or racism, right? Like, like that's literally, those are literally your only explanations because otherwise it's completely and totally irrational. And I'm like, get that money, guys, you go get that, you get whatever you can get and, uh, you know, get, get a little bit of a return on all that, all that, uh, you know, all that service you're providing to the university.
2: And I got I got a little too uh, too handsy, and I was going like full radio talk show host so on that one. I, I elbowed my my uh, my unopened beer off of my oh. uh, table, uh, so I'm gonna have to give that a little beat before a, I open it up.
1: Give it a few taps on the top.
3: Yeah,
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's the changes are coming, like Brian said. Um, and they will be as incremental as the NCAA thinks they can get away with. I mean, look, you know, the, all, the NCAA has been saying for a century all the things that cannot be abided uh, if, if college athletics is going to survive, starting with college uh, athletic scholarships will be the death of college athletics that was the, that was the talking point a hundred years ago. Um, and lo and behold, you know, it wasn't the death of college athletics. Um, and you know, it just sort of, you know, everything that's happened since then, um, you know, they've, they've given them, Oh, you know, if we give them the full cost of uh, of a scholarship, full cost of attendance, then that'll be the death of college athletics. And, you know, here we are, they've, they've done that. So, you know, it's, it really is, they're going to do what they can. They've proposed their own, you know, sort of laughable, Legislation on name, image, and likeness to try and secure antitrust protections. Um, you know, they're, they're going to try and do little things, and that's where I applaud the players uh, for shooting their shot, because it's like, you know, the NCAA is going to try and appease them with with little things, and I imagine the Pac-12 will appease them to some degree with with little things related to COVID. They'll, they'll try and reassure them about COVID, and since that's the primary concern, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see where this thing kind of goes after that, but... Um, you know they're there i admire the players for taking this step um i think it's way 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 more risky than most fans are giving them credit for it shows way more courage i think than most fans are giving them credit for and for that um i you know i wish there was more that i could do to uh, to support them other than you know fighting with every last person on twitter and
0: i think in general like we're going to see a lot more of this in college football, especially in the near term. But, you know, as we go, just because of COVID kind of lays this bare. And again, like in the Pac-12 situation, um, it has like awoken a lot of the athletes to the reality of the situation. And if there was a time to fight the system, it is now. Yeah, um, for sure. And while like the season may be canceled and all that, it is still time to fight the system like it is your last like gas basically what's going to happen coming out of this is is some bad economic impacts it's going to hurt college athletics in ways and you need to fight for your rights and I think a lot of the you know a lot some of the fan stuff and and elsewhere can be chalked up to a fear of the unknown if you change the system and you change it in significant ways what does that mean and you kind of have to leap of faith this You have to close your eyes and trust that, like, this is going to work out. (laughs) But I think the thing that gets you there is that you're working towards a system that is a lot more just than the one is now. Um, Because this thing was built and is a mutant and is awful and is a fraud system, essentially. And, like, you got to do better. And, you know, if these kids are going to step out and do that and enforce that issue, then, like, just listen to them. They're making some good points here.
1: And believe them. If they, say yeah, they, if they say they felt threatened, they probably were threatened.
0: Look at all the stuff this week, just in this week. The Cassidy Woods phone call had – there was enough there, and, like, I believe what he said, and if you believe what he said, you can see it in the call. Gary Patterson said the N-word twice. A bunch of people tried to deny it, and then he came on the next day and said, yeah, I said that. There's a Colorado State thing going on right now, which is the same push-pull, but in those initial statements – there is always truth and there's a lot of truth and you should believe those players that are stepping up to speak out about things.
2: Exactly. Um, I think that's a good, a, a good, uh, a good point to end on. Um, Really appreciate you coming on talking with us, Brian. It was good to talk to you again. It's been a while. Yeah. Well, we said. This is only going to be forty-five minutes, and we just kind of let it run. Well, that's, hey, you know I, that's that's I, how I, we I, roll, man. I, if you remember, about twenty minutes ago, I said, "Is there anything else you want to add, Brian?" And you just started this up again. So this you is can, my You only fault. have it's really you only serious. have yourself to blame. Blame the new guy.
0: But your yep. kid
1: slept all the way through. At least we think <laughs> he did. You, unless no you no were didn't.
0: like I ninja dad now. <laughs> No, no. He woke up. I owe the wife something
2: now, probably. Uh oh. That, Uh-oh. That's parenting. I'll
1: that's put good. I'll put a bonus on your Couc Center check. <laughs> 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 Why are you laughing? All right, All right, Floyd. Thanks, Brian. Love you, buddy. Bye. Should we take a break? Let's take a break. And we're back, Craig.
2: Well, that was fun. You know, I was, oh. dreading, I was dreading that combo all day, just because uh, you know how I hate um, talking about controversial things. It makes me uncomfortable. But, but uh, uh, yeah, that was that was uh, that was a good combo. It was nice well, to have Floyd.
1: Good news for you. When I get fired up, I do most of the talking. So, yes, uh. <laughs> I've been doing a lot of that. In the last couple of days,
2: well, I just and, say like you're. you're I've been currently... swinging
1: at everyone on Twitter and on our Coug Center threads, and yeah. I'm just like and on Slack. So, you know, any of our any of my you know co-authors at Coug Center who I've swung out on Slack, I'm sorry, I just I get excited and I get. Now,
2: nah, dude, we're shit. just groupthink at Kugler Center. Yeah, groupthink. People
1: think that it's so hilarious. Like people are like, oh yeah, you guys are all just like hive mind, and it's like, good lord, if you could see our Slack, like, yeah.
2: But yet I've I've pictured you as that like meme where it's like the guy at the computer and he's like, it's like, honey, come to bed. And you're like, sorry, I can't. Someone is wrong on the Internet. (laughs) And that's been you for the last three days.
1: I'm definitely that guy. Uh, Although I'll say this, like my goal, as much as maybe it seems like it you know, my goal is, is never really to just argue like, that's not And and to be honest, I'll be really honest. Like it, it both invigorates me and drains the hell out of me um, to do it. You know, the educator in me, and, and maybe I don't always handle it the right way. Cause you know, Twitter is, is the worst, but um, you know, the educator in me is always trying to like point out like, Hey, have you thought about this? You know, have you thought about that? Could you, you know, could you see it this way? And I've really tried to do, um, a lot of that now, some of it has come across maybe not the way I intended, which of course is my fault because I'm the one doing the writing, but, um, you know, really just trying to be like, man, you know, can you, can you see this a little bit differently? Can you think of I mean, you know, basically all the stuff we talked about, you know, for an hour and whatever with Brian, like. You know, just like, man, you know, think about it from the player perspective. Think about, believe the player maybe. Give the player the benefit of the doubt for once instead of the coach. Like, you know, really trying to push people. It, you know, and it's probably, in a lot of ways, probably losing losing proposition um, to ask people to do that. But, I mean, if if even just a couple of people see what I wrote, and, and, and I'll be honest, by the way, you know, it, about five people have reached out to me separately without commenting publicly and saying behind the scenes, hey, look, we... I really appreciate what you're saying. I really think it's awesome that you're saying it for the players and they all have various reasons for, you know, not doing it publicly, but, um, you know, so yeah, it's, you know, the uh, trying really to just kind of say, you know, maybe think about things a little different way. And, and to be honest, um, you know, maybe even 10 years ago, I'd probably be one of those guys too. I mean, I mentioned the the Absolutely. leech thing, right. Where, I was like, yeah, you know, whatever. Those guys probably deserve to roll around a sand pit, and have a fire hose turned on them, <laughs> you know, like they were probably assholes, you know. And, and ten years later, I'm like, not ten years later, I guess eight years later, right? I'm like, I'm like, yeah, you know, I think I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna give the player the benefit of the doubt, um, because I've just, I, you know, I've seen too much, I, I've been around too much. Um, you know, I, I just think, I just think players deserve the benefit of the doubt before the, before coaches do And Look, you know, Nick Rolovich might be a fine guy, but I think any, I think people are pretending like they know him and I'm just going to be really honest. You don't know shit about Nick Rolovich. You know that he will buy beers for people and that's good by the way. Like I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying that's not good. I mean, look, you know, you can go back into our podcast archives and, and Craig and I both were like, Hey man, this is great. We got a coach who buys his beer. You went. To a bar where he was, right? I did. So I did. So look, I mean, I, I, I you know, I'm not saying that that he's a bad guy. Um, I'm not. And, I, and saying... I told
2: him about our podcast, and yeah, told him to, told him to listen. I so, mean, I'm...
1: Uh... <laughs> yeah, but I mean. <laughs> You know, I mean, he went on Michael's podcast and he was very entertaining and very cordial and, you know, all those things. And so, I mean, that's great. But I'm also like, look, I mean, I've been around sports for a long time. I've been covering athletes since I was, you know, 15 years old. I mean, at various, you know, various levels. Um, You know, we don't know any of these guys. Like, like I'm, I'm serious. Like we don't know shit about any of these people, even though we think we do. And we think we've got some kind of connection and we think like, Oh, you know, I mean, it's like, look, unless you are their friend, then you really don't know. And I'm not saying Rolovich is, you know, some sort of, you know, criminal mastermind at heart. I'm really not saying that, but I'm saying like you, when you sit there and think I'm defending a guy who's been great since he got hired. Okay. But like, what does that really mean? Like, You really, really don't know him, and I don't know the player either. So I'm going to choose to say that the player who has no power is probably not lying, um, unless I have a reason to believe they are lying, whereas with coaches I have a very, 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 very long history of coaches behaving badly. And again, that's not to say that Rolovich is necessarily behaving badly. I'm just saying it's much more likely – based on history that he's the one behaving badly and and not the player. So I don't know, trying, trying to kind of maybe get people to think about things a different way. I think differently now, because there are people who said to me, Hey, could you think about it this way? And, you know, at first I was resistant and now, you know, I see things I think differently. And I I think, I think in a, in a way that um, is more in line with reality. And, you know, if I can do that for somebody, You know, and again, even if that means, you know, I'm fighting with, you know, 20 people who are telling me I'm an idiot and um, whatever, then, you know, it's 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 worth it to me, even though, like I said, it's (laughs) it's amazingly draining uh, uh, to do that. And and, which I which I know is is the truth, because um, you uh, refuse to do it because you're smarter than me. So,
2: well, I even even just weighing in with like one tweet that said, like, if if WSU is is cutting players for being involved in the the united movement then that then a, we need another head coaching change just even like the few responses i got on that yeah, like it just even exhausts just saying me, that. like just in and, and i didn't get that much negative stuff but i did and i still kind of do and i just i just choose to mostly ignore it i respond with a few things but like it's just like uh do I want to really engage in this conversation right now? Um, I was mostly just saying, like, if something happens, if if this is true, then, like, this is what needs to be done. If it wasn't true. That's fine. If you want to take issue with me making that sort of statement early on, that's fine. I, I accept that. Um,
3: but,
1: I mean, it's funny what the word if does for you there. Yeah. Right? Or like for me, it was it was a similar deal where I said, look, this might be a thing I can't overlook. Well, and people like (laughs) and I'm like, well, I said might like like I did leave myself some wiggle room there to kind of wait for this whole thing to play out. But, you know, again, being a union guy, I'm pretty sensitive to union busting and it really, really bothers me. So, you know, but might might. You, know, you had my, it
2: right. You had it right when you deleted your Twitter and
1: uh, You know what? You're 100% right.
2: And, and and I it was my fault for creating the uh, podcast Twitter and, I, God damn and I brought you back in with like with like a a 20th of the followers. I absolutely I
1: know I went from like 3500 followers to like 400 people who will put up with my progressive left-wing ranting.
2: So embarrassing. Speaking of progressive and left wing. Yeah,
1: that dude. That was a hell of a segue. <laughs> let's
2: uh let, let's talk about the beer that we are both drinking the same beer Fuck at the yeah. same time. Well, well, actually I already, already drank mine. It. Mine is gone. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> I was
1: drinking it. I'm not I was, anymore.
2: <laughs> I, I also was drinking it. No longer, not currently drinking it. It is gone. We we, we talked to Brian for over an yeah, hour. I definitely yeah. killed that beer. Yeah. Um but uh, yeah. But Jeff, it was really good. Go, go ahead and tell everyone what we both were drinking. Yeah,
1: so we were drinking the uh, Black is Beautiful Imperial Stout with coffee added. Uh, 10% alcohol by volume for one pint. Now, you delivered this to me. Um, mine was, I think, brewed by Wingman, yes?
2: Yes, both of ours are brewed by Wingman. Okay, I, yes, I, they I, are brewed I, the same by
1: Wingman, but... Wingman is not the originator of the beer, so why don't you go ahead and give the backstory on the beer? By the way, the beer—did I even say the name of the beer? Yes. Black is beautiful. It's, I did. Okay, so black, black is, is beautiful. beautiful. Um, so yeah, backstory on the beer, which I think is 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 fucking awesome.
2: Yeah. So um, there is uh, a brewery in San Antonio, Texas called um, uh, Weathered Souls Brewing, and. Which Weathered... I
1: really screwed up by not going to while I was down. Yes, so I, was I told you about. to go. But you did, you, you did, yeah. and I didn't get to.
2: Um, so uh, black or uh, black, but black is beautiful originates from Weathered Souls Brewing. Uh, um, Marcus uh, Baskerville D is the co-founder and head brewer, and he himself is black, which is very, very rare. Uh, to have either of those things a founder of a brewery or a head brewer at a brewery um it it's very rare for, in in the craft beer industry to see um black faces in in uh in leadership positions at breweries or even in in any position really um so uh i have uh, so he actually started um, this movement, uh, or this, I guess it's a bit of a movement in the craft beer industry. He basically, what weathered souls did is they created a label that everyone can use. Um, they made a base recipe. It was just a suggestion. Um, I think that wingman used the base recipe, but they added coffee. Um, so in the breweries, it was just up to them. Um, just what they had to commit to, um, was uh, basically donating the profits of the beer um, to uh, um, raise funds for uh, what they say police brutality reform and legal defenses for those who've been wrong or any sort of um, uh, 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 organization that works with helping uplift uh, uh, communities of color. Um, so uh, what Uh, wingman is donating their money to is the tacoma urban league um it that's a it's that helps with um uh that helps uh um with small business entrepreneurship for um um, people of color um and and people uh uh, marginalized communities what what, what have you um but so uh, that's basically the breweries were given the freedom to choose you know what what charities they want to donate to um I'm, i've had i've had the um a great uh pleasure of uh drinking with marcus on a on a couple chances like uh i had a good friend who uh used to live in san antonio and he's as big as beer nerd as me and so he um, given that there weren't a ton of breweries in san antonio weathered souls is i will tell you absolutely the best one um and that's not saying there are bad breweries it's just that it's really really good brewery um So we, I was able to, you know, share beers with him after hours, and then another time I came in when when we down went down for um, uh, the Alamo Bowl. I just went in um, and just brought some beers from you know Seattle area to to share with him, and he was like in the middle of working, but he'd sit down, hang out with me for a bit, drink some beer. You know, he he of course is like giving me like some of his beer and and uh, as kind of a thank you. So it was just he's a re- really nice uh, guy and, um, he already was, uh, part of like a, a black brewers. He had, he had created a, a black brewers sort of, uh, organization before this. And so this is uh, another step in, and, and a lot of breweries, um, have actually taken part in it. Um, I, I don't know the exact number so far. It's definitely in the thousands. Um, I, I think it's probably in, this, in a thousand, um, uh, so he uh it's so actually uh wingman is uh one of them that has done in tacoma um in, in the seattle area we've seen him from stoop um and from fremont uh others that i honestly like I, I, I think the Burt Gilman, uh, some other breweries uh, in, in like on the east side of the state, um, uh, Single Hill um, and Varietal, they both really stepped it up. They both uh, took uh, barrel age beers and blended them and added like treatments to them, like uh, cinnamon, vanilla or whatever. And like made like kind of special edition beers that they are not going to make any profit on, which is pretty cool because... Yeah. Um, uh, you know, I talked to some brewers about it um who I know who kind of have like progressive uh, leadership and even, you know, it you, you can't really blame like someone not wanting to brew a, a you know, a 10% beer which is more expensive than brewing your like 5% beer because you're using more malt and whatever, you're using like a maybe a different type of yeast uh, um so you, you, I I'm not really like blame any brewery that didn't do it because in this time right now it's pretty hard brews are hit pretty hard but at the same time if you if you're looking at a brewery that is uh just giving away the profits of a beer in a time when uh, most breweries are struggling it's pretty cool and um it's 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 pretty awesome how people have taken it up um and uh so uh but back to the beer what do you what do you think uh, about this uh, black is beautiful wingman edition
1: yeah what- i think it's delicious and I I wish I had more than one can. So damn you for not bringing more of them over to my house, Craig.
2: I'm sure they they still have it at uh, <laughs> Wingman. They I'm pretty sure they have it at many uh, bottle shops around. I'm town.
1: sure I'll have to go buy Rainier Growlers and but, see. But yeah, 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 yeah it's very good. Like, I'm it's it's a really tasty beer, and um, I'm super super proud to have uh, supported the the movement in in some small way by drinking the beer that you bought for me.
2: I was able to get my hands on the varietal barrel-aged one. Um, uh, someone uh, brought one over from the east side for me. So uh, I'll, uh, um, I, can't, I can't wait to drink that one, too. Varietal makes some very good beer. Um, I think I've talked about them on here before. But, uh, yeah, it's a really cool. Um, it was fun, you know. When I when I went over, uh, it's fun for us to drink the same beer uh, for once. Yeah, uh, we could probably coordinate that more if we tried harder. We should,
3: you
1: know. What we should do is, since it's summertime, we should actually like get together and record together. From yeah, and from then like, we could drink the same beer because we'll just open a bottle of beer. And yeah, drink and we can we
2: beer. can talk through masks and sit ten feet apart, and <sighs> you know it'll be great.
1: We don't have to talk through masks if we're sitting ten feet apart and it's outside.
2: I don't know, man. I spit a lot when I talk. And I project. Would,
1: my God, that would be a lot of spit, Craig. <laughs> that would be super gross.
2: Oh man, uh, okay, we could do so that though. We could do it. We, we could. should. We, we should.
1: should bring B over. She can swim. You still haven't brought B over to swim. I'm starting to feel I like know. you're avoiding me. I. That's well. That's very
2: true. <laughs> to tell you the truth, I'm avoiding most humans.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I feel that. I feel that I know we had some people come over today to pick up some uh, we're cleaning out our garage and there's been some stuff in there that's been stored in there since we moved uh, four years ago and we're just like no it's never going into our house so let's find a home for it but you know people coming over and I'm like standing far away from them while also wearing a mask like like you're picking up that coffee table it's over there go get it so anyway. Well
2: what else have we got to talk about WSU Oh uh, well let's
1: see okay so there's a call there, there's a schedule football schedule i mean do you have any thoughts on that the apple cup's Um, not the last game it's the second to last game i wish it was the first game. it's
2: on black friday again i wish it was the first game whatever i mean it it matters less that it's on black friday when no one's going to be in the stands because i i i I seriously doubt anyone's going to be in the stands like that wsc has already come out and say they can't guarantee season tickets and we have to give it to our options yeah they're making you Um,
1: guys they're trying to guilt you guys into doing option one
2: Yes, uh so if you've WSU has reached out to people um I know they reached out to me uh to say if if I'm going to choose option 1 then please promote it. So they played to my ego. Um I'm not going to choose option 1. I'll tell you that. um I got a I got a family and it's already kind of a stretching it to uh, the uh, donation and the season tickets that I do. So um it'll uh, probably uh, be better for me um, and also better for my relationship with my uh, significant other uh, by choosing uh, option two, or uh, probably not option three. Um, had this maybe um, this uh, situation we just talked about for over an hour uh, played out e- even a little bit differently, uh, maybe option three would have been more on the table. But uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm probably leaning towards option two and just like deferring that. I do wish they would do it. Like as I, I plan to donate the same next year. Uh, but they say they'll roll over your donation, but like, you don't have to roll over my donation, just roll over the season tickets. I'm still going to donate the same amount. So whatever. Cause I, I, I know that the donation is tied to the season tickets, but I don't really view it that way because I donated when I lived in Vermont. So it it doesn't make it like it to me. It's just, I'm donating and and being able to get a certain type of parking pass is just a, an extra perk that comes along with it. But, but yeah, so, um, I, don't yeah, know. I mean, that, Like, do
1: you have actual thoughts on the schedule? Like, I on don't. the schedule, because no. I haven't put. I, haven't I mean, put it's any kind of a, it's it kind because of I'm just of, like it's not happening. It right?
2: kind of sucks that the extra team we got is USC. Um, it, it would have been much better to get a, a shittier Pac-12 South team. Um, yeah, it just it doesn't feel like it's actually going to happen. So I just it's it's hard for me to give a crap about it. Um, yeah, it, it, if if they would have put dabble cup in the second game you know that would have been great um let's just get that thing out of the way uh but yeah i don't know it just says to me it doesn't feel like it's actually going to happen at this point um at at least in on the dates that they uh have uh written on the schedule um but uh we'll see that the power of people to just to pretend that this is all over with it, it, it seems to have been pretty strong Recently, um, so uh, we'll we'll see how it goes.
3: Yep.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Like, great, they've got three of the first four at home. Nito, like, I, like I don't I mean, know. What does don't... that even matter anymore? I mean, I, I guess I
2: like making teams go to Pullman yeah. is a pain in the ass. I don't know.
1: I st- yeah. yeah, I mean that'll still be a pain in the ass, and I mean whatever. But I, I just, I, I I cannot. I I don't know. Like as time has gone on, and and I don't know if you're feeling any different about this at all, but, um, you know, it, it's it's really just um. Uh, like like as time goes on, I I become a little, I don't know, like I was really, as, as was documented, I I realize I'm, I'm stumbling over my words a lot, but when we, when we, when sports first started coming back, you know, we, we joked about, you know, Dortmund and everything else um, and being very excited about that and excited about Tottenham or whatever, um, you know, European soccer, like, like I was really excited about that as things have started to come back here. I'm starting to feel more of a moral dilemma about it. Um, you know, and I was excited to watch the, watch the sounders, you know, I love the sounders and so, you know, I mean, that was great, but as time goes on and and the pandemic is still not under control and a large, a, a significant reason why it's not under control is that there's, there's simply not enough testing and the test results don't come back fast enough to, to do, um, truly meaningful contact tracing in a lot of instances, um, and then, and, you know, get on the flip side, you know, the NBA can get test results back in 15 hours. I, I find myself having more and more difficult, um, difficult time justifying it. And, and then, you know, seeing how these players are, are college players, right. Are, are talking about it and thinking about it. And, and one of the things, you know, you know, I mentioned early in the conversation, Bamani Jones, um, one of the things he mentions in his podcast is that look, you know, these don't underestimate what's happening with these players talking to each other in a lot of ways, these players probably know more about what's happening on other campuses than actual coaches and administrators do. So, so for example, Cassidy Woods probably knows more about what's happening with COVID testing on the other 11 campuses than Pat Chun and Nick Rolovich do. I feel, I feel really confident he knows more than Nick Rolovich does. Maybe not Pat Chun, but they're talking to each other and they're hearing from each other like, Okay some schools are dealing with it one way and, and it appears by the way that that Wazoo is one of the ones that's handling it well um which I think is the reason why Cassidy Wood said hey look I, what I'd like to do is opt out of traveling and playing in games but still train with the team like that suggests to me like like people have made a big deal out of that right like oh if you're out you're out if you're in you're in you're out you're out it's like okay well eh, you know like you know if he's if he's you know Got, got, he's, he's at risk. That's a liability. And uh, okay, well, I, I mean, maybe we could trust that Woods thinks he's relatively safe at Wazoo, but doesn't trust airports and other schools. Right. And so, you know, the, these players are, are really well informed. They know what's going on. And I, I don't know. Like, I just, I just feel like uh, that, that maybe it's, <laughs> you know, may, maybe we should just say, ah, You know, this thing is probably going to end up looking like Major League Baseball more than it's going to end up looking like MLS and NBA. And that, you know, all the testing they're doing for these players, college football players, maybe isn't um, the best use of our resources that are limited because of the way the federal government has handled the pandemic up until this point.
2: Well, and yeah, and I, there's a difference in what the NBA and MLS can do versus uh what uh universities can do because they they can't even in within a conference you're not creating some sort of bubble um it's also much more difficult for football um i think you, you in, a, in a part another reason you can see it for baseball is these teams are much larger and uh you, you know the hotels you have to have available for for the like if you were to have like 12 football teams like all be in the same place so all at the same time but it's also very difficult to set that up and and you you also see the i, mean, I think these um schools are holding out every last bit of hope that they're going to be able to collect at least some ticket revenue because um, that's so important to them like if they can connect can collect any ticket revenue like it, yeah i mean and, at
1: this point any ticket revenue is value added right
2: yeah and so they they're, they're going to hold on to those campus locations but again since these are all these are this is not like this is not a a single entity as in a league this is a bunch of individual entities who can enforce things different ways and uh basically what you saw in mls is one of the teams you know, had an outbreak, and they said, "No, you're not playing." And the same thing happened in the NWSL, um, and uh, so now, obviously, MLB, we're having it where they're just not playing. Um, and I, 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 I <laughs> right,
1: like the Cardinals have basically—they're uh, <laughs> just sitting this one out for a couple of weeks
2: yeah, same to Marlins and, and anyone in the Phillies and anyone's played the Marlins, whatever like so you're just seeing like all sorts of postpones every day and you're just like, how much longer is this charade going to go on and like so you know that could potentially happen. Um, I as you were talking, I was like, okay, maybe I'll provide some sort of input into the schedule for the sake of our listeners who um, want some of that. Um, Utah, Oregon, right off the bats a pretty tough one two. Um, that, especially given that, uh, they're probably gonna be two of the better defenses we see, and that offense is not going to be ready to go. <laughs> like, uh, they missed on those spring practices. We're, we're just assuming that I this, think that's f- a reasonable assumption that right? that offense is not going to be ready to go. And you're going to play two of the better defenses right off the bat. That's tough. That's tough. Utah, Oregon. Um, then you go to UCLA, uh, who knows what they're looking like? Um,
1: <laughs> Nobody uh, really knows.
2: Yeah. I I mean, Cal, I mean, does the Cal bullshit translate in a COVID 19 environment? Who knows? I mean,
1: May- I'd probably bet on it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And then you go at Stanford um, on a Friday after, you know, it's not a short week. You get to get a bye then at Stanford. Um,
1: when you got four games in a row against California schools, which. Plus an Arizona school on the back end of that. So, Plus Arizona
2: State who, you know... They, I mean, that's tough. You know, those so that, are like... This is tough. Like, it's really tough to look at... These schedules look extremely tough when you don't have the cupcakes on the front. Oh, totally. Like, it's it, it's so much harder to look at because, like, you're usually like, okay, if we can get, like, four wins in conference yeah. play, then our three wins on the cupcakes, seven right. win season. But now, like... La- last year they finished They're like three- you get
1: four wins you're looking at you know staying home four. no bowl game. yeah
2: but yeah like last year they went three and six in conference play do you think with a new coach installing a new offense like no indication that the defense is going to be markedly better i mean i they can't get much worse but but i, I mean we all we know that they can because uh, we saw <laughs> there is 2008 no 2008, and 2008 and 2009 so yeah we know that they can get worse um Absolutely. but 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 I, it's it's hard to sit here and say okay they're going to improve from three and six to you know five and five against the same teams uh, with with one of the best teams in the conference added in. Um, it it's yeah, it's it, it's hard to say. Uh, you know I love to watch them on TV. I hope we're in a place as a as a country to for that to be a safe enough thing or at least get to watch them on TV. Um, but uh I need to cancel my hotel rooms in Pullman, but uh I like, guess that even you know, that's not gonna be all the dates are different and whatever, but um it's you know, it, 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 it there's so much unknown around WSU's program. Um right now because of the new coach and the new offense you know obviously uh, we've talked about how the personnel is fits right and whatever but still it's 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 operates in a different way it operates a lot on you know the receiver and quarterback being very much on the same page because they're making decisions on how they run their routes and they have to pick the same route and and that's you know repetition really helps there and we're not getting that um but i yeah i i don't know like i it if my my only analysis would be like, man, I wish that we were starting against Oregon State and UCLA's defense versus <laughs> I, starting against Utah and, or yeah. no, I really wish we were starting against uh, who the fuck was in the non-conference before like Houston's shitty defense and Utah uh, State, Utah State's bad defense, Idaho. like Idaho's bad. Those those would in much better tune-ups yes. um, for a brand new offense. But no, yeah. we get right off the bat. The the big fat dudes on the ground putting pressure in Utah because even when they graduate players they always have more like they yep. they, they they reload that front seven like that's going to yep. be a pain in the ass, um, and then you have Oregon who's just recruiting like crazy the last couple years and they have talent for days and they're yep. um, they're going to be good uh, yep. defensively particularly defensively um, that was really was the strength of their team last year but. Um, yeah, it, it's it's uh, it's uh, tough to uh, it's tough to get a gauge on. I'm, but if you, if you want my analysis, uh, if we got one of those first two, that would be pretty great.
1: Yeah, there is. So as, as near as I can tell, there's uh, there's only one buy built in here. But there's also time after the Colorado game for flexibility. There's a week uh, in between the Colorado game and the Pac-12 championship. Um, if they, if they want to move some things around or if they feel like they need to move some things around, uh, the one buy is between Cal and Stanford. So, you know, I don't know, again, <laughs> it's all probably useless to try and analyze any of this shit anyway. So I don't know. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm like, whatever. I mean the, you know, the season's not starting if it starts is not starting until September 26th. So we've still got you know, a month and a half to talk about it, I guess. So,
2: yeah. Um, Another piece of
1: news, CJ Ellaby decides to go pro. I think surprised both of us a little bit on that one.
2: Yeah. Uh Yeah, I'm a, I'm a little surprised. I um, uh, You know, you can probably speculate that COVID had something to do with it. Um, yeah. uh, you know, wanting to maybe be in a professional setting and seeing how the NBA is handling things and maybe you'll feel more comfortable with that. Maybe feeling that there's not going to be a college basketball season and you'd be kind of wasting that year of your, uh, year of potential earning power. Right. Um, so, uh, especially
1: you if know. your goal is to stay at the very least stay domestic, Yeah, you know, like, like if there had been no season and he's able to sign with a, you know, European team or something, that's fine. But, um, but I think that, you know, he seems to have his sights set on NBA, G League. I mean, he, you know, did an interview with Koog fan where he said, you know, hey, I don't mind the idea of the G League. So, um, you know, my guess is he probably ends up on some sort of two way contract like Robert Franks did, where he plays mm-hmm. G League and has the ability to jump up and get some NBA minutes, perhaps. So, yeah, good for him. Like, I'm, you know, go get paid. I'm not, you know, that hasn't changed for me. So, you know, I hope I hope he get I look, I hope he gets drafted. I hope he gets drafted in the first round. That'd be awesome. Like I hope he um I hope he gets a guaranteed contract. I, I hope he gets everything that that he wants um because that would be awesome for him.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um in terms of what it does for the team, uh that's a bummer. Uh that's a huge hit. Yep. Yep. Um, cuz we were even you know, you know. You had speculated. You know, you had you know talked about. You wouldn't be surprised if he was like a four year player. And man, if CJ was a four year player, that sets us up for some really some potential NCAA tournament bursts. Um, now I I I feel pretty good about the talent they have on the roster even without CJ, but I but I think the the year that it really hurts is next year, or the, yep. this upcoming season. Yep. yep. You know, uh, that's that's when it really hurts because that that takes you know um not not saying the guys that uh, you know who knows how good these freshmen are maybe they immediately kind of like make the team good enough to take them back to that level we were expecting but we were talking like you know a potential of like a an NIT team who maybe gets gets with a little luck is on the bubble for the NCAA right. um to like maybe they're not going you know maybe they're more of like a around the 100 or or something area without yeah. Uh, cj and yeah. and so that's and i mean just man like we we had talked about um kind of the jump clay thompson made from his sophomore to junior year and i think both of us were excited to see cj uh, yeah make make a similar jump for
1: sure yeah it's i that's the hard part is you know feeling like you like if covid wasn't a thing then you know does he um you know, does, does he figure out a way to, you know, does he come back? Right. Like, I mean, I I guess I'm I'm kind of tripping over my words here, but, um, you know, if COVID's not a thing, does, does he come back? And, you know, I tend to think that, yeah, like the uncertainty there, I don't know. Like, obviously there's some uncertainty to going pro as well. It's not like, oh, well I'm going to leave behind the uncertainty of college and go to, you know, the pros. But, at the same time, you know, you have to ask yourself, okay, well, which one is more uncertain at this point? And and I'm honestly, you know, I'm not sure you can argue that the pros are more uncertain than college. Yeah. Like I think it's pretty clear that college is more uncertain than the pros. And that, you know, so maybe he's like, Yeah, it's 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 you know, it's time to start grinding. So, um, you know, like I said, wish him the best. It's a bummer. Um, I think that fans, again, presuming we have a season. I think fans are maybe going to have to temper their expectations a little bit. Um, yes, this is a really good recruiting class, but... Um, That's a lot of freshmen. Yes, and people that don't follow college hoops all that closely um, may not understand that typically what happens is, you know, you're the guys who make a major, major direct impact are typically like the top like 15 or 20 guys. Um, and then you've got your 25 to 50 or so guys who, um, make an impact, but aren't like superstars. And then you've got your 50 to 100 guys who are really talented and maybe contribute, but are, are really not going to be able to lead, lead the team anywhere. And, and teams that recruit the guys in that 50 to 100 range, um, they they just if they expect those freshmen to be the difference makers early on it usually doesn't work out very well and the guys that Kyle Smith has signed are guys in the like 100 to like 200 range which right. for WSU is fantastic and sets us up you know going forward for a lot of success but it is probably especially with the loss of CJ is probably setting the team up for um, some flashes of brilliance this year but but probably more growing pains than what people are um anticipating because they're they're bringing their you know their their, fr- their frame of reference is maybe not calibrated uh correctly for what it means to bring in a guy who's like a a fringy 100 top 100 recruit it's it's better than wc ever does for sure but also not generally the kind of guy who is going to step in and take over a team. I mean even Clay Thompson was like a top 50 guy I think by the end. I think yeah, that's about where he was, was 50ish. Um, and he was very very good as a freshman, but he also was not. He was like the number 3 option. Uh, well, eh. from I mean, a shot was... volume standpoint from a shot volume standpoint he wasn't the number 3 option, but he but he really was kind of third fiddle on that team right By he wasn't rochester, playmaking he was yeah yeah he was very off screen he was just shooting a lot yeah. which was uh you know to tony bennett's credit <laughs> it was a really good idea but um but he was clearly sort of third fiddle to to rochester and baines and and that's that's about what you expect from a guy in that range is to be a, a really good contributor but also not a guy who's leading you to the promised land so I think that's a reasonable expectation for this year. Um, but I think it's real exciting for next year and the year after.
2: So to uh so a couple points. One, if if you uh if you didn't see enough Isaac Bonton shots this last season, well <laughs> get ready. Oh boy. Um Get ready. Um get but, ready uh,
1: for all the shots.
2: Another point, just to put a, a piece of uh uh, data to it um so and uh, bart torvik's projections uh wsu was hovering around 90 90 to 95 uh, um, just depending on differences of you know recruits coming in whatever um right now they are sitting at 147 in his projections yeah which is uh which is quite a drop and kind of takes you back to uh where you were last in the range of more of the range where they ended last year. And, and instead of, uh, you know, moving forward. Um,
1: well, and you're taking, it's not just CJ's offense, right? I mean, it's the defense too. Like he's, and I don't know how much, defense and the rebounding. That in, but yeah, yeah. The defense and rebounding, like, like this is a guy who was, you know, a superlative defender and your best rebounder. And, you know, you're, you're taking that away. It's, it's a big hit. It's a big loss.
2: Yeah. For sure, um, yeah, I, I'm. I, it's definitely a huge impact. Uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully, uh, in the long run, getting some of these guys a little more run their freshman year, uh, maybe means by the time they're sophomore years, so typically the biggest jump for uh, your players are uh, freshman to sophomore. Um, I know usually you see them really good when they're like polished when they're a junior or senior, but it's usually their biggest jumps are freshman and sophomore year. Um, it's just not as noticeable if they're coming from like not very good to like pretty good and then they become really good. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, uh, maybe a little few extra minutes for guys in, in that kind of three, four spot, which we got a ton of guys in this recruiting class that fit, fit right there. Um, so uh, uh it'll be interesting to see now how the rotation plays out again assuming that we play sports. Yeah. going to um, be a lot
1: of positionless basketball going on on this team I think. Uh, I think that, yes. Uh, posts, I mean, we'll have some big dudes playing in the post, but uh, but other than that it's going to be a lot of like 65, 66, 64 dudes. Yeah. Uh pressure in the ball and at least I'm I'm assuming they're going to continue with that defensive philosophy, so yeah, it's it's going to be fun to watch like that. That's the biggest thing I think, um, you know, if I if I would give one sort of piece of advice to fans is is again come into it with realistic expectations and then just enjoy watching these guys figure it out and develop because because it, it, it is going to be fun and, and it is going to pay off um, at some point. But this year, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if I, I would I would predict that we end up right about where um Right about where we finished last season, I think. I think one twenty-five, about a five hundred record. I think that's. I think that's probably um, a reasonable, and reasonable expectation.
2: Now, will they repeat as national champions? I don't know. But yeah, uh, that's
1: that's going to be tough. It's going to be yeah. tough. But these guys are up for a challenge.
2: I didn't get that shirt from you, by the way. Oh, I still
1: have it, dude. I know when you came over, like I forgot to give it to you.
2: Well, I have. I have your. Uh... I don't drink beer with racists, sure. Just
1: so. another reason for us to get together and record our podcast. Excellent. I think that's that's what right, we're to do. Well,
2: I think we have run this thing long enough.
1: <laughs> what we're pushing two hours, you think that's long enough? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Are you sure? I mean,
2: like we we would have been like top a show with CJ. Like originally I was like, okay, CJ's top I because the CJ we were gonna record last week and then like CJ yeah. was the next day. Yeah. And then I was like, well, I'm glad we didn't record. And then like, you know, maybe we should have recorded right away and then recorded another episode. So sorry, CJ, we didn't give your credit where credit is due. Yeah. Um but uh yeah.
1: Yeah. Subscribe, like, come fight with me on Twitter.
2: Go fight with Jeff on Twitter at Pod versus everyone. Um I'll be less likely to fight you at the Craig Powers. Um yeah, uh yeah, give us a review five stars. Um, if you don't want to give us five stars, and just don't review. Um, uh if, you, uh, if you want to leave a comment that says how great we are, um, yeah, that's, that's we great like that. too. Um, yeah, we, we want to feel good, it's 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 nice to feel good. Um, but yeah, thanks for uh listening to this uh long stuff. I really appreciate Floyd coming on, that was yeah. cool. Um, yeah,
3: and uh, go kooks. Go kooks, Craig.